I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just spend some time uh, um, talking to you today. And, um, you know, one of the things, this isn't, this isn't uh, as a church, you know, it can, I think a lot of times uh, when you have families and, and some of you have been in environments before where there's families that are doing things, um, this series and this, this kind of just where we're at as a church and even today is not meant to be like a treatise or like a representation of how great the Kraft family is. Um, but this, what, what we have and who we are is something that, that we feel like as a church is something that we're supposed to embody as the church for a really long time. I can't tell you how long, but for a really long time, the American family has been in crisis. And, you know, there's all these people that are trying to figure out fatherlessness, divorce rates. Uh, we, uh, we hate the patriarchy. We're down with, down with men, toxic masculinity, all this stuff we're trying to navigate in society. People don't even believe for the most part that uh, a family can stay together in today's world. They, don't, they just think that was, that's a thing of the past. And um, that's, not, that's not the way God intended for it to be. And um, it's hard to navigate these things and it's hard to do these things. And uh, this, isn't, this isn't about, hey, we, you know, in our family, we've done it better. But the great thing is that, that I have, that a lot of people don't have, and I know that, is I have parents who've really sh chosen to do hard things that are, that are worth it. Uh, all of us, it's, life is hard and difficult. And the first element of bad news that I have for you is that if you're looking for your life to get more easy and more comfortable, you're gonna live life and discover that that will never exist and that will never happen. Uh, your life will never be any more comfortable than it is right now. It'll never be easier than it is right now. And so the, op the choice that we have is we just get to choose our heart. And I'm grateful that I have parents who've chosen their heart in the best way so that I can choose my heart too for my own kids. And um, so just to start out, to just kind of set a foundation for what we're doing, where we're going today, uh, all of that, um, just like open up your mind. And I wanna encourage you to ask yourself some questions today. And this isn't meant to be like I said, hey, like do things like we did. Uh, but if there's anything that you can learn, uh, learn that. Um, and let me, let me pray for you today as we start. God, we just come before you and we thank you for the privilege that it is to be on the earth for such a time as this. God, I pray today that we would be filled with hope, that you would speak to us, that we would have faith. God, that, that we're so grateful today for your mercy and your grace, that it doesn't matter what, what anything was like before. God, that we can make a better future with you. God, we thank you that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And what that means is that regardless of what's said from this platform today or what happens in this room, you can speak to us right where we're at. And we invite you into our hearts to do that in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. So the first question I have for you is right here. And um, that's what do you want out of life? And I know that's a, like a super broad question, um, but this is the first question you and I have to answer as human beings. Now today, I'm not talking to parents in this room. I'm not talking to old people in this room. I'm talking to everybody in this room because if I'm going to have a meaningful experience as a person with my time on earth, I have to be able to answer this question. So you and I might answer this question by saying, well, I want a good spouse, like I want a good marriage. I want a good job, I want a nice house, I wanna be comfortable. But these are really just some of the things that you want in life. When I'm asking what you want out of life, I'm asking the question in its broadest sense. Not the goals that, that form our daily activities, not like what am I gonna do tomorrow? What am I gonna do six months from now? Um, I'm asking what is it that in your life, out of all of the things 
that you and I could pursue? What's the one thing that you consider to be most valuable? What's the one thing that you consider to be most valuable? Most people, all of us probably, will have trouble uh, naming this goal. We'll have trouble answering this question. And I'm asking you today, not in this room right now, although you might start to do that, is to answer this question for yourself. Ask yourself this question and answer it for yourself. Because we know what we want minute by minute or even decade by decade, uh, but we've, a lot of people, most people have never paused in life enough to decide what the grand goal for living is. Why are you living? Why'd you get up this morning? Right? Sometimes just like, oh, I exist, you know? I am, therefore I exist, and it just is what it is. This is understandable uh, because our culture isn't set up to help us think about stuff like this. We're surrounded by, as we know, endless streams of distraction, so we won't ever have to think about what the goal is for living. So we can say to ourselves, well, influence sounds really nice. So does money, so does success, uh, uh, so does maybe a good marriage. You know, having good kids, not going to jail sounds like a pretty good goal for my life today. Uh, but having a goal in living is the first step to understanding how to live life, right? So we're trying to figure out how to live. Like you and I, we got, we got relationships, we got a job, we got all this stuff we're trying to figure out. And the first question we should answer is not what kind of job do I want, not who do I want to marry, uh, not how much money do I want to make, not how much influence do I want. The first question we should answer is what do we want out of life? So without this goal, we can't answer the second question, which is the question I'm also asking you today. And that's why do you do what you do? We ask our kids this question, right? Like, what are you thinking? Like, what were you thinking when you did that? It's a really great question to ask your kids. It's also a really great question to ask yourself. Like when you just totally destroyed that relationship, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? When this thing happened, when you did this over here, why do you do what it is that you do? So if we don't start with a goal, and I'm not even talking about the goal today, that's a talk for another, for another time. But if we don't start with a goal, without, without understanding our goal for life, what we want out of life, okay, without understanding why we do what we do, there is a danger that we will mislive. Yeah. That despite all of our activity, all of our work, all the things that we've enjoyed, all the stuff that we've done, that we will ultimately end up with a meaningless life. That's a very real possibility. Some of us know people that their lives have had zero impact or zero positive impact. We probably know more people that have had a negative impact on our life than a positive impact. And that's like beyond meaningless. That's worse than meaningless. That's like a bad meaning to their life. So there is in other words, a danger for all of us that when we're on our deathbed one day, all of us are gonna die. That when we're on our deathbed, we'll get to the end of our life and realize that we've wasted the one chance that we had at really living, at really living a life that is meaningful, a life that is valuable, doing things that were of significance and meaning and purpose, not just to ourselves, but to other people. And so many people, as we know, we've watched the movies, we've read the stories, we've, you know, uh, all turned on Lifetime at one point or another. And instead of spending life, so many people, instead of spending life pursuing something genuinely valuable, they squander it because they allowed themselves to be distracted by the various unimportant things life has to offer. Bank accounts are great, right? You're on your deathbed, you're not thinking about, man, I'm so glad I like, made a million dollars last year. But we spend so much time thinking about things like that. So only by answering these two questions, okay? What do you want out of life? 
and why do you do what you do? Can we even hope to live a life of meaningful impact and to leave a legacy that lasts? And that's where I wanna jump off today. So I want you to write these two questions down. I'm not gonna answer them for you, but I wanted to start by saying you have to answer these questions. You have to, you can't afford not to in your life. Each one of us in this room, we have to decide what we want out of life and why we do what we do. And we'll get into that. So this guy named Al Capone in the early 1900s, many of us know, but you might not know, Al Capone virtually owned the city of Chicago. So he wasn't famous for anything in particularly good, but he was notorious for entangling the entire city of Chicago and everything from bootlegged alcohol to prostitution and murder. And there was a guy right here by the name of Easy Eddie. And Easy Eddie was Al Capone's lawyer. So he was so good, he was so good at what he did. He kept, he kept Al Capone out of jail for a really long time. Al Capone paid him really well. And he lived in a mansion with servants and the whole deal. In fact, his house, his estate was so big that it took up a whole city block in the city of Chicago. So he enjoyed his life, didn't really think about, you know, what was going wrong. You just thought about all the things that he liked that were going right. And then something happened to, to Eddie. Eddie had a kid one day, he had a son. And uh, he saw to it, he looked at his son, just like most of us do, that are parents in this room and thought, man, like how can I create this great life for my kid? How can I give him the best of everything? I wanna put him in the best schools. I want him to wear the nicest clothes. Uh, you know, I want him to drive a nice car. So nothing was withheld and price was no object for Eddie and his son. And uh, despite his involvement in, in organized crime, Eddie has this realization. And he says, okay, I'm gonna have to teach my kids just like all of us do. I'm gonna have to teach my kids the difference between right and wrong here. He said, he said in his mind, like, I want, I want my son to be a better man than me. But despite all the wealth and all the influence that Eddie had, there were two things that he said he couldn't give his son. Number one uh, was a good name. And the second thing was he couldn't set a good example. So one day, Eddie reaches a decision point. Comes to this point, he realizes if I'm going to raise a son and kids, and I'm going to teach him the difference between right and wrong, I'm really going to have to make amends for the way that I've lived my life up to this point. And so he decides to inform on the mob. He goes, to, he goes to the government, to the different people that are investigating Al Capone and says, hey, here's where all the money is. Here's what all the situation is. And if you know the story of Al Capone, he didn't actually go to jail for anything having to do with mob activity. He went to jail for evading taxes. There's a whole lesson in there. Uh, you can do a lot of stuff, but you just gotta make sure that the government gets their money, right? Because they'll get you. It might not get you on the crime piece, they'll get you on the tax piece. <laughs> anyway. So Easy Eddie goes to the government and he testifies against Al Capone. And within a year, he was dead. They killed him. This is actually his car. They shot, they shot him up while he was driving through the, through the city of, uh, of Chicago. Um, but at the end of his life, he didn't know it was the end of his life. At the end of his life, he decided to do what he could to set a good example for his kids. Fast forward to World War II, war that produced so many heroes, so many stories, so many great stories that we know. Uh, one, of, one of the people that is one of the greatest heroes of World War II is a guy by the name of Butch O'Hare. He's a, a lieutenant commander assigned to the Lexington in the South Pacific. So one day his squadron takes off from their carrier and they're like, we're gonna go out and we're gonna run a mission. We're gonna go do a mission together. Well, he gets up in the air, they get about halfway there and uh, uh, Butch realizes that his, his plane is actually low on fuel. And so he's not going to be able to make it, accomplish the mission and get back to the carrier. So his commander says, hey, 
you know, why don't you just go back to the carrier and refuel and then, then we don't need you on this mission. So just go back and, and land on the carrier and, and we'll, we'll catch you around on the next one. So he dropped back and he headed, headed back towards the carrier fleet. And as he was coming back to the carrier fleet, all of a sudden he sees something that looks like this, which was a squad of Japanese zeros that were converging onto the carrier fleet that was completely undefended because all the planes had left on a mission. And so he couldn't reach his squadron. He didn't have enough fuel to get, get to where they were. He'd already come back. He was running low on fuel anyway. And what he decided to do was do his very best to fight off this Japanese squadron as the only plane in this carrier fleet. It's very hard for uh, uh, boats and to, to defend themselves at that season from dive bombers and things like that. And so on a P-51 Mustang, which is what Butch O'Hare flew, you had 50 caliber guns on the wings. So they, they shot 50 caliber bullets out of, the, out of the wings. And so Eddie decided to, or, or Bush decided to fly around and shoot, shoot as many planes as he could down. Well, he ended up chasing off this entire squadron of Japanese planes, lands on the carrier, saves his carrier group, lands on the carrier they, they, in, in planes in that season and today they have, a, they have a camera that's on the plane that shows kind of what was happening in the air. They come to find out that, that Butch was able to shoot down five Japanese planes, which is a lot harder than you and I can imagine when you're shooting guns off the wing of a plane. And so he's able to shoot down uh, five Japanese planes and he was actually the first ever member of the Navy that was given the Congressional Medal of Honor uh, for, for, any, for any wartime effort. And so that's him getting the, getting the, the Medal of Honor from uh, President FDR. Well, later on that year at the age of 29, uh, Butch was shot down and killed in the line of duty, but his hometown wouldn't allow the memory of, of him to fade. And today, O'Hare Airport in Chicago is named after Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare in tribute to his courage. And that's not the rest of the story. The rest of the story, as you've probably guessed up to this point, is that Butch O'Hare happened to be Easy Eddie's son that he raised. And, um, and so I, I tell you that story to start, to say, just let it go. Whatever it's been up to this point, however old you are, whatever your life has been, kind of is what it is, okay? But the future can be whatever you want it to be. The future with your kids, the future in your own life. It's like, I've never had a vision for my life. Well, you can have one starting today. Now you know you need one. I've never had values. Well, you can have them today, starting, starting today. And that's, that's what we're gonna talk about. And so there's three things, and you might, you might hear about this in, in corporate environments. Um, um, real quick, another story. In Japan, to start a company, if you go to get a loan from a bank in this, in this country of Japan, you have to tell the bank what your family's core values are. So you have to sit down with the bank in Japan and say, here's our family and here's what we represent. I'd like to start a company and I'd like a business loan. And their question to you is, okay, what is your family values? Right? And so sometimes we look at, the reason why I say that is we look at things like this, vision statements, mission statements, core values, and we're like, oh, that's something cool that like a business has. Right? And that's what business leaders do is they develop vision, mission, and core values. I would challenge that to say that in Japan, they probably have it right. The vision, mission, and core values of an organization should come from the family, not vice versa. But in America, it's like the things that have visions and missions and core values are not families, it's companies. 
when really the vision and the mission and the core values of the company should come from the vision, mission, mission and core values of a family. So I'm gonna get off these terms really quick because some of you don't care anything about the terminology, but it, it's really important and here's why. When we have a vision, and I'm simplifying it, but when we have a vision, we're deciding why we exist. You see this a lot in companies. Here's our vision statement. Well, a vision statement says, here's, here's why we exist. Here's why we matter. You've got to have that for your own life, right? You've got to be able to answer the question, what do I want out of life? That helps you understand the vision that you have for your life. A lot of us are going through life and we're expecting life to answer the question for us, what's the purpose of your life? You will not have a purpose for your life if you're expecting life to answer that question. That's a question that life asks out of you. So you and I have to decide why we exist. I have to discover for myself the purpose that God put me on the earth for. Then, only then, only when I understand why I exist, only when I answer the question, what do I want out of life, can I develop any kind of mission, which is just what I do. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about that in the context of just what you do. And then you develop core values, which are who you are. Okay, your core values represent who you are. So in our, um, in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 29 says this, without vision, people perish. Where there's no vision, Bible says, people have no hope for the future. Um, this, is, this is the season that we've been living in. What's, you know, people don't have a vision for their future, so they get depressed, they get, they get lonely, they ostracize themselves, they cut themselves off, they don't understand their own purpose for existing, they don't ever decide what that is. Proverbs chapter 22 says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. In our families, we have the power to decide what we value, to decide what we do, and to decide ultimately uh, why we exist. Um, but if you and I never do this for ourselves, it's, life is busy, we got a bunch of stuff going on. But the most important thing you or I can do is just take a pause from all that and decide the actual like, direction that we're heading in all this stuff. There's a whole bunch of work you can do, like you can get in your car today, start it, drive around. Okay? But without you and I deciding where we're going to go, we're just driving a car around. And this is how people live life. And they expect to get to some kind of, they don't even know the destination they're going to. Like, man, I hope that I get to a destination today. At some point, don't run out of gas. I mean, I don't really know where I'm going or what I'm doing, but I'm driving, working really hard. That's how we live life. And then we go, eh, you know, I hope I find success along the way. But what if you could just go, hey, like, I'm going to decide as a person why I exist. I'm going to decide that. God's given me the power to do that. Then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. What am, what am I going to do with my life based on the reason why I feel like I exist? And then who am I going to be? What kind of person am I going to be? Regardless of the situations and circumstances that I find myself in. And um, not only, so some people, they put the cart before the horse. They're like, this is how our family should be. So they say, our family should have core values. Our family should have, should have a mission. Our family should have a vision. And all of that's good, but it just grows out. It's supposed to grow out of our personal vision for our own life. And so many people live life, okay? They never answer these questions for themselves. And they think that somehow they're gonna be able to raise great kids on the road trip to nowhere. Like somehow my kids are gonna, you know, if my kids can just like not be uh, total hellions, you know, uh, I guess I've done a good job, right? And they just kind of live life like, I hope and maybe and one day and uh, hopefully and all of that. Um, here's what Pastor Sheila says in her book. She says, living by core values will have a great effect on your inner world. 
They form the foundation of your character and your character is defined by these values. When you define your core values and live by them, you have more of a chance that your daily actions will align with these values. If you don't establish core values, you take a risk of adopting the values of other people. We can't live our lives letting the identity of someone else define who we are. Your values must line up with who you are. Once you know who you are in life, you will stop trying to be who you're not. So our core values define who we are. This mission that we have defines what we do and our vision defines what we exist. As a person, your job is to decide what your vision is for your life, your vision. So many people spiritualize it and they're like, God, I just want, just want God's vision for my life. God's like, no, I put you on there. You need to have your own vision. If you want to figure out God's will for your life, Romans chapter 12, verse two, it's our verse for the year. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God concerning you. So if you and I want to understand God's purpose for our life, it's ultimately to be a better person. Now, the kind of person that you and I decide to become is 100% up to us. And we go through life and we say, oh, you know, God, what's your plan for my life? And I think God's like, cool, that's a great question to ask yourself. What is your plan for your life? What do you want out of your life? You're the one living it. He's not living it for you, right? Doesn't make a lot of sense. I digress. Then we can build a mission statement. In our family, we have that. And if you're wondering, hey, like, what about, like core values and all this stuff sounds good. I don't really know if that's biblical. I'm not here to prove to you that it's biblical, but David, King David in the Bible lists out his core values in Psalm chapter 15. Here's what he says. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. So here's David's core values according to Psalm chapter 15. Verse two, integrity. Verse two, honesty. Verse three, kindness. Verse four, honor. Verse five, justice. These are, these are core values that David said, if we're gonna enter God's holy hill, if we're gonna live the life God imagined for us, we should live our lives according to these values. We should decide, when I say core values today, what I want you to think is who, who I am. We should decide who we are. So Pastor Sheila said it and it's true, what you value, what you and I value, will determine how we act. The reason why I'm asking you today, why do you do what you do? Because by answering that question, you will begin to understand what it is that you value because all of us have values. We all have a value system. That's the thing as a human being that drives your behavior. The thing that causes you and I to act the way that we act, to think the way that we think, to respond to situations the way that we do are the things that we value. The term uh, core values is an agnostic statement. And what I mean by that is someone can have a core value of unforgiveness. And because they don't value, because they have a core value of unforgiveness, they live their life not forgiving people. People can have core values, a core value of revenge. And then say, my job, my, my, who I am is I get one over on everybody, right? Who I am is if you, if you do wrong to me, I'm gonna do wrong to you. And it's just the way that it works. That's a core value. Might not be a good one, but it is one. So why we exist, 
deciding a mission. Your job as a person is to understand that and then the people that come alongside you can develop their own vision for their life. Why is it, why did, why is it that God has put me on the earth? What do I want out of life? And then we can do, do something significant in a family and that's decide what our mission statement is, decide what we do. In our family, my, my parents had this painted on our, live, on our dining room table when I was a kid. And uh, our, our family mission statement is never allow good to be the robber of the best. So from the time I was a kid, could you imagine, you know, you're living this way. You have a mission statement. You say, here's what we do, no matter what, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter what circumstance I find myself in, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do no matter what. It's very empowering. So many of us have given our power away to circumstances and situations and people and we say, well, that person made me do this. This situation made me respond that way. When you live on mission, what you say is, no matter what's happening around me, here's what I'm gonna do. So, so in our family, when we were kids, never allow good to be robber of the best was what we did. This is what you do no matter what situation is. So when we had parent-teacher conferences, the question was, with my family, are you living on mission? Not does the teacher like you or not. Not are you being unfairly targeted by whatever society that you happen to be a part of today. Not who's right and who's wrong. None of that. We have a mission. Are we accomplishing the mission? That was the, that was the kind of conversations we had in our family. So if I came home and I got a C on a test, right? The question was, did you do your best? Not good enough. Did you do your best? Because that's our mission. We never allow good to be robber of the best. So a year ago, um, I like tattoos. I think they're cool. I'm not really like a super huge tattoo person. I want to have tattoos that are meaningful. And I do have a few tattoos that are meaningful. But what I decided to do was, uh, for me, I want to live by this mission. I'm 33 years old now. I have, the, I have the opportunity to decide to live whatever kind of life I want to live, be whoever I want to be. Uh, but, the, but the mission has worked out pretty well so far for me. So I think, I've, I think it's something I want to commit to. So what I decided to do was not just put this on a table, although I wanna do that in our house. What I decided to do is get a tattoo of this, of this family mission statement, because this, this is the mission. And so for me, like my chosen profession, even though I am many times reluctant, is doing this, being on stages in front of people, being on cameras, all that different kind of stuff. And I hold microphones a lot, right? And so what I did was I got it tattooed right here. So in my mind, not, not for any of y'all, not because I wanna go explain it to people, but in my mind, my mission's always out in front of me when I'm doing what it is that I do. That was, that was the decision that I made based on my own life. Now, I'm not telling you that so you go out and design a family mission statement and then you get it tattooed like on your forehead or something because it's out in front of you. But think about me as the son in this situation. I have parents that have lived on mission. I'm 33 years old. And I'm like, I buy into that mission so much that that's gonna be the thing that's in front of me my whole life. How successful is that kid gonna be? I don't, I don't really have, I mean, I, I gotta make a lot of my own decisions, right? But if I don't succeed, I'm a massive failure because the people that have gone before me have thought this way. So if you think this way in your own personal life right now, whatever it is before is what it is. If you think this way in your own personal life right now, like what is, what is my mission? What's my personal mission? What's our mission as a family? right? And you raise kids in that kind of environment. These people are unbelievable. I'm not saying I am. I'm saying like you raise kids that are way beyond anything you could think or imagine. And then when I got married, what happened was my parents developed a mission. And then what we did was off of that mission, we developed some core values as a family. So when I got married, my dad is the kind of the patriarch of our family, the first one in, in his family to really be this way, right? 
comes from sweet, wonderful, lovely people, never had conversations about mission or vision or values in their family. So, so we had core values as a family. And my dad said, when I was getting married, he said, I, w- I would really love for us one day to have a family crest. And so we sat down together and we designed a family crest together based on our core values. So I got that put on my, um, on my wedding ring and, and, on, and on his, Pastor Keith has one. Then I also got it tattooed on my arm because this is who I am, right? So this is something for me. It's not just something I went and got one day and not, not, nothing against people that go just get whatever, you know, that day, right? But this is something for me, like I wanna, I wanna explain this to people. If someone comes, hey, like, what's your tattoo? How much time do you have? <laughs> I'd love to explain it to you. So in our family, the crown, okay, is honor. The heart represents positive attitude. Book represents excellence. Tree represents generosity. All of that comes together to, to accomplish the fifth value, which is personal leadership. This was the kind of family that, that I was raised in. Now, my dad wasn't an easy Eddie, right? He wasn't going around committing crimes until recently. But I had parents who said, okay, imagine on whatever level you tell yourself, it's powerful for us as individuals. You tell yourself, here's who I am. No matter what situation I find myself in, here's who I am, because here's what I value. These are the virtues by, with I, by which I live my life. This is my true north. And then you get people around you, kids, whoever, that are like, yeah, this is who we are. So everyone has values, they just don't know they have them. So in my life, I look at, okay, honor, right? You've heard this said in our church, but we live by it as a family. We don't honor people because they're honorable. We honor them because, I'm, because we're honorable. Positive attitude. I can't ever find myself in a situation where I'm like grumpy and struggling and processing and whatever, and everyone has to deal with me that day because who I am, I'm positive. I don't want to be. I'm very cynical, naturally. I didn't choose these values for myself. Pastor Keith chose them, and then I said, I think those sound good. So excellence, good enough does not exist in the Kraft family. Good enough is never good enough. You need to give your very best to your life, to other people, to God. This is what it is. And then generosity. Like, what is life if you're selfish? On and on, on and on I could go. I live my, this is like the measuring stick by which I live my life. So in our life, we all act, we all act the way that we act, okay? We do what it is that we do. We behave the way that we behave. And we all value something, we just don't know that, that we have them. And I'm not, I'm not up here saying, oh, like, you know, we're so great and smart because we have core values as, as a family. But if you can just walk away from today and do two things, Develop a a vision and a mission for your life and add some core values and then translate those to your family. It's a world changer. So just because we have values doesn't mean they're good. All of us have values. I talked about unforgiveness and revenge a second ago. So to to discover your values, because you and I currently have them today, to discover your, your values, ask yourself these questions. You answer them. I can't answer them for you. Why do I think the way I think about things? Why do I think the way I think about life? Why do I think the way I think about people? Why do I think the way I think about my job? What's my perspective on stuff? Why am I hopeless? If I'm hopeless, why am I a hopeless person? If I'm a doom and gloom person, why am I a doom and gloom person? On and on. If I'm positive, right? Don't just talk about in the negative, but if I'm a person who's positive, if I'm a person who always sees the best, even when the worst has been displayed, why do I do that? Why is it that I do that? Then why do I feel the way I do about things? 
Why, why, do, I, why do I feel the way that I do? Because um, as much as you and I don't want to believe it, uh, we're, we're kind of rational at the end of the day. There's, there's some kind of rationality behind even the emotions that we feel. And I know the people around us that, don't, that see our emotions don't always believe that. Our emotions are kind of like, like, you know, seem unpredictable and, and wild for, for certain people. But there's actually reasons why we feel the way that we feel. And then the last thing, why do I do what it is that I do? So imagine in your life, if you could be a person that instead of allowing, uh, most of us go through life and we allow the situation to dictate to us what our response should be. So if I said, if you went through a hard time and me and you had a conversation and I said, well, why do you feel that way? We would say, well, because this is, this feels right in the moment or feels right in this season. Why do you think that way about that person? Well, because they did this and they're that way and that's who they are. And this is why I think that way about them. So imagine if before you even get into any kind of struggle or difficulty or setback or hard time, you've already decided how you're gonna think about it. You've already decided how you're gonna feel about it. Like you might, someone might go into a doctor this week and get a bad diagnosis. Well, I've already decided how I'm gonna to respond to a bad diagnosis if I get one, because I have values and I, am, and I am who I am. So in my family right now, I have a, I have a three-year-old and a four-month-old, right? Um, some of you were here on Wednesday night and you saw how, how, how great these values are working for Charlie. She's so obedient and wonderful and uh, not strong-willed at all and is not, not wonderfully difficult in the slightest. She's just, you know, right there with us. That's not true. So in our, in our family right now today, what we did was we set rules that apply directly to these values. So in our family, here's, here's, what, our, here's what our rules are with Charlie. Okay, and, and Harper, but she's not, she's not ready for rules yet. We're just focusing on solid food at some point this year. <laughs> so the first, the first thing is be considerate. That's honor. That's honor for a three-year-old. Be considerate. Be considerate of other people. We talk about that. Rule in our families, you have to be considerate. Okay, second thing is be sweet. We tell her what sweet means. We tell her what it means to be sweet. Be sweet is have a positive attitude. Now, I can't sit down with a three-year-old and go, listen, you need to have a positive attitude, not a negative attitude. Core values, remember? Like, this person's not, you know, they're, they're a three-year-old with a three-year-old brain. So we talk about, hey, be sweet, right? And then, um, I'm making sure that I say them right. And then be your best. That's excellence. Be your best. Do your best, right? <laughs> We're helping you clean up your room. Here's what it means to, to be your best. And then be unselfish. How great is it when, when I get to see my three-year-old that's be unselfish with their friends or, or with Harper or whatever. And then the last thing for us right now is be grateful. Working on being grateful and saying thank you and please and yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir. So in our life, these core values have created specific, uh, and I know for some of you this sounds really dry, but I'm trying to be practical today. These core values have created specific behaviors that I'm asking out of my kids that I'm also asking out of myself. So my behaviors that I expect out of my children at 33 with a three-year-old is be sweet. You're expected to act this way because we value having a positive attitude, right? So the behavior is be sweet. We value honor. Therefore, I expect you to be considerate in your actions because that's honoring people when you're considerate of them, right? On and on, on and on, I could go through all these different things because your core values 
If you want to understand why you act the way that you do, it's because of what you value. If I want to pivot and change what I'm doing, I have to change what I value. So there's so much in my life and in your life that is completely outside of our control. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty stable in my job right now, but if I got fired, I don't get to control whether or not I get fired. If I go through a hard time, if some friend leaves my life, if someone does something to me, if someone commits a crime against me or whatever, I don't get to decide whether or not they do that. I get to, I get to determine basically three things in my life, my thinking, my attitude, and my actions. And how I choose to control those three things determines everything I have. Not the situations that happen to me, not the circumstances that are outside of my control. If I have a set of values, if I say, this is what I'm aiming for, this is who I am, this is what I do in every circumstance and situation, then I don't, then no one else has any power. I have power. Like you might be able to do something to me that might try to make me mad or make me frustrated or send me down a path, but guess what? I got values. I, got a, I, have, I have a mission that I'm, that I'm living with. So what if you could decide in advance of all of the struggle, all the situations, all the circumstances that happen in your life, what if you could decide in advance how you're gonna respond to those? What if you could decide in advance for your kids? Our kids are gonna go through, the world is not a like, soft landing pad for our children, right? I'm, I got a three-year-old and I'm already thinking like everything I do, I'm teaching this kid how to live. And there's, there's uh there's some clowns out there, right? And so like, I don't, I don't want my kid to go into a world full of clowns like, and just be taking their values like Pastor Sheila said in her book. So how do, I, how, do I how do I change that in my generation? You know, some people, they go through life and they're like, oh, it's so hopeless. The world, it's just not the, it's just not the place that people should be bringing kids into. It's like, you know why? Because you don't have any values. Of course you shouldn't bring kids into your world. You don't have any kind of value system. You're just a part of the problem. Like, here's the thing for me, and I know I'm saying this as a millennial, so excuse me. But uh, there's like all oh, these millennials, right? First of all, millennials are mostly in their 40s now. Okay, so a lot of them are there. But some people have a problem with millennials, but they don't have a problem with the way they parented millennials. Yeah. Your, your kids are a reflection, direct reflection, 100% of, of, and I know that's like, that maybe feels graceless in this moment. Okay, a person's children are a direct reflection of who they are, why they exist, and, who they and what they decide to do. So if I don't like the results, I gotta change the inputs. I have to be a person that says, okay, like I don't like the state of the world. I'm a person that's alive today. If I wanna change the world, I have to change what I'm putting into the world. It's just, it just makes sense and it's simple. It's not easy though. So most of us wanna choose the easy answer. Second piece of bad news for you today. It's not getting any easier. It's hard. Life is hard. It's hard to not have values. It's hard to have values. It's hard to not have a vision. It's hard to have a vision. It's hard to not have a mission. It's hard to have a mission. But I would rather be the kind of person that, man, it's really hard for me to honor right now than be a person who my life is hard because I live in a perpetual state of dishonor. I would rather be a person that's like, hey, it's hard for me to have a smile on my face and have a good attitude today than be a person who my life is hard and I go from job to job to job and relationship to relationship to relationship because my attitude is so poor, no one wants to be around me. 
I would rather be a person that says, man, me sowing and being generous with somebody is really hard for me than a person whose life is really hard because I'm selfish and I have no friends and no relationships and nobody wants to be around me for that reason. It's hard either way. So how do I know I'm winning? You can't say anything right right now. I don't know if you know that. Like go just make a statement generally about anything today on social media and someone's mad at you, correct? <laughs> and so as a church, we kind of feel that way. As leaders, it's like, how do we respond to everything? What should we say? Everyone's gonna be mad at us, right? This is how life works though. Someone's always gonna be mad at you or frustrated or think that you should have said this or you shouldn't have done that. So we had a conversation with our leadership team a couple months ago. How do we know we're, how, how do we know we're doing the right thing? Ask yourself that question. How do I know I'm doing what's right? It's like, you know, some people go, oh, is it, is it in the Bible? You know, is it like, does it seem moral? It's like, no, it's like, how do you know you're winning? How do you know you're doing the right thing? If you're living by your values. So we have four values as a church, honor, transformation, relationship, generosity. So what we've decided in this season as a church, we're gonna live by those four things. We measure our success on how well we do those four things. Not on how well we respond to cultural whatever, not on, not on uh, what, what a person's maybe feedback, positive or negative is. So, so, much, so many of us live our life, right? And we go through life, okay? Don't even look at this organizationally. We go through life and we deem our success or failure based on how everyone else responds to us. So my values are just about making people happy or making the right people happy or having the right kind of influence. And so I don't end up really ever having any values because I just want everyone around me to, to have a smile on their face. I just want everyone to think I'm, to find me popular or whatever. If you wanna raise winners, if you wanna be a winner, develop some, develop some values. Decide what your true north is and just go for that. And then you and I can measure individually whether or not we, we live by those values. The only way to win the only way to win in life is to strive to live by your values. And those things should be biblical. I'm not preaching, don't make things biblical. But what I am saying is at the end of your life, what do you want out of life? Why do you do what it is that you do? Why do we do that? The only way for me to win in life is to honor people, everybody. The only way for me to win in life is to go through life with a positive attitude. The only way for me to win in life is to do everything I do with excellence all the time. Give my very best to people, give my very best to circumstances and situations. The only way for me to win in life is to be generous. This is the yardstick by which I measure my life. I don't measure my life based on how much money is in my bank account. I don't measure my life based on uh, what, what, what my children do or don't do. I don't measure my life based on all the external situations that surround me, on my influence or whatever. I measure my life based on my values. God wants us to do the same thing. <clears throat> we as individuals, like don't go home today and write your family core values yet. Don't go home today and decide your family mission statement yet. You gotta decide that as, a, as an individual. And you and I as individuals have to decide to live that out personally. Like you might be the first person in your family to, to even think this thought about vision and mission and core values. 
going to be the first person to do it. So don't start by telling everyone else what they need to be doing, including the people that you lead. Start by telling yourself, here's what I need to do. Here's how I need to live. And as you live that way, and as you model those things, then it trickles down into, now this is the culture that we're creating. We're creating a culture based on these values. We're creating a culture in our family based on this mission. And, and if you're young in this room and you don't care about being married right now or having kids or whatever, like live your life this way, you'll be surrounded by great relationships. You have great friends. When you get married someday, you'll actually marry the right person, not a clown. You'll be with the right people in your life. Like me and Courtney had a conversation this week about uh, some, 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 some younger people that, that I know personally. And I'm like, this is why I don't wanna raise daughters, right? Because these idiot guys who have no sense of value are gonna try to come into my daughter's life and I'm gonna have to deal with it, right? But here's the thing, if I raise, if I raise my kids with a value system, they know who's about it and who's not, right? I create, I create, I create, I create world changers. I create people that aren't gonna play when everyone else is playing, right? Because I've, I, I, here's, here's what I know now. I'm 33, my parents are 60. So I've been a product of that, that way of thinking. At 33 now, I'm like the next generation and I know it works because it worked for me, but it doesn't work if I don't work it in front of my family. Like Pastor Keith and Sheila, so great, so wonderful. They're, you're right, they're, they're, they're right, they're not perfect but they've, they've given life their very best. They've given us as their kids their very best, but I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta pass my own test with my family, right? And so, so herein lies the problem in our world today. Here lies the problem with Christianity in America, right? Whole bunch of believers, not a bunch of livers. We can, we can, we can, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that as a critique. What, what I'm saying is Enron's, one of Enron's core values was integrity, right? You could write the thing down. So cool, thank you. Like living it, next level. I could, I could say to myself, I'm a believer. I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. Jesus didn't ask him for that. He's asking for followers, right? So we've created a society, we've created an environment where just believing's okay. Like you believe in the core, like in, in your family, even if you create these things, you can sit down with your kids and go, you believe in these values? Yeah, they sound good, but you gotta hold them accountable to living it. And, 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 and I gotta hold myself accountable to that too. So it's hard, but man, I'm telling you, choose your heart. Choose this kind of heart. Choose the kind of heart that says, I'm gonna build a great family. I'm gonna do my very best to live my personal values. I'm gonna have a vision for my life. I'm gonna have a mission for my life. I know God's gonna help me do that. This is why the church is so important because you need to be surrounded by people that are on purpose about their life. And most people in the world, as we know, are not on purpose. They're just being tossed to and fro by the ways of culture. This is why Jesus founded a thing called the church. It's a gathering of people that are living a life on purpose, saying, what do I want out of life? Why do I exist? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna live on mission? And then what kind of person am I gonna be? I'm gonna have core values in my life. So, um, thanks for letting me talk so long. We're just about done. I want everyone that can hear my voice, just bow your head and close your eyes. And even, even if you're watching online, because where this, where this starts for us is choosing to go beyond being just a believer. It's okay to believe. 
Like Jesus, God is faithful. The Bible tells us that God wants to work all things together for our good. God has a great plan for your life. You know what, up to this point, it's, you know, you've, you, you've been maybe a, an unwilling and unwitting participant in, in that plan, but God wants to use everything that's happened in your life, good and bad, for his good. And maybe this is a part of it, but the most important decision that you can make is not choosing to believe in Jesus, not choosing to believe in God. The most important decision you can make right now in your life is really choosing to follow him. Really choosing to say, I wanna go beyond believing to following. Like I have, I have words tattooed on my arm and images tattooed on my arm that I did not write myself. I didn't come up with those by myself. I followed someone into that. That's, that's a natural expression of the way that God works with us. We don't have to, you don't have to figure this out on your own because not only does God wanna help you, but there's people around you that are in this church that we can help each other. We can help each other figure this out. We can navigate it together. But if you're here and maybe you've just, whatever, maybe you've been a believer, but you maybe haven't taken that step to really follow Jesus and live a life like Jesus. That's what being a quote unquote Christian is all about. Not being cultural, not just like saying, oh yeah, like I kind of buy into the God thing. It's like, no, I look at the person of Jesus and how he lived his life and I wanna live the same way. And I want him to help me in my life. I want everyone that can hear my voice to just pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I repent and I wanna follow you. Help me do that. In your name I pray, amen. Now the prayer is that easy, but the life isn't. Jesus is inviting you into following him, which means there's a little bit of, there's some conversations and some work that's gotta be done. There's some work regarding our own personal vision, discovering your meaning, discovering your purpose, navigating that. And like I said, this is why the church exists. The church is not a place for us to just come sit or to watch online just to get a good little talk and a good little preach. The church is a place where we build relationships so that we can live on vision, on mission, with values together and change the world because of it. The church has done it before and the church is gonna continue to do it. And this is why you and I need the church because we need each other. So the most important thing for you to do, if you've never done it, I don't, it doesn't matter where you are, if you're just deciding in your heart, I'm gonna follow Jesus like never before, find a small group, get plugged in. It's that easy, you need people. The most transformative thing in your life that will ever happen is you getting around the right people in the right place at the right time so that the right things can happen. So now is the time. Maybe you haven't been serious about it before. Maybe you've never cared about it before. You've just been a good little church person coming to church. Get plugged into relationship and watch what God does in you and through you. If you want help with that, Okay, you can, and you don't wanna to talk to anybody today, it's fine. You don't wanna talk in the chat, it's cool. Text 972-945-9772, text our number, text the word Jesus. There's a person on the end of that who wants to help you, help you figure out what your next step is because following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit that we're all getting after. And it's not about getting 100%, it's about striving though. Giving, giving life our very best, cause it's hard. But I'm telling you, just like my dad said today, and I feel this way in my own family, it's hard, but it's worth it. It's gonna be worth it. My kids are gonna see a man of integrity, a man of character, a person who's living these values. And I can't wait to see what God does through my kids because of the person I decide to be.
Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.